thank you, Lord, for this time of worship that you have brought us into. And, and Lord, Lord, you, you know how to set the stage for this message. And, and God, you've, you've already brought us to a place. And Father, as we continue through the rest of this service, Lord, in the time that we have left, God, I just, again, I just ask for the help of the Holy Spirit to be clear, to be concise, to use the right words and examples, Lord, uh, to, to bring across the message that you are wanting us to receive tonight. And I just believe we receive this, Lord. I just believe that we have ears to hear and hearts to understand. I just thank you for this, Lord, in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Mm, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. You know, it's, uh, at, with the worship that we had, it's hard to know. You know, it's like, oh, Lord, what direction do I go? And, and so we may just kind of scoot through this message really fast. I w- but I believe that, that this has to do with what the Lord was wanting to talk about and, and was talking to us about, even in the songs that were chosen and were, were we uh, you know, worshiped the Lord and came before him with. Um, for those of you that have been here on Wednesday nights, we've been talking about our Heavenly Father and different things. Um, and uh, we just finished up a, a couple nights of looking at how good he is, how good our Heavenly Father is. And uh, tonight may seem to be a departure, but we're, we're going to come back to it. We'll, we'll understand when we get to the end. I'm going to start, though, with, with something that we covered last week. Um, let's see who's got the controls. Marty, maybe you can help me out. It's not listening to me. We should give Marty a hand tonight for being in the driver's seat tonight. For those that were here, you'll remember this. This is kind of just a refresher, but it'll be our jumping off place tonight. One of the things that we went through is we looked at um, the description of love and how our Heavenly Father is a loving Father. We looked at how um, each of the points that are made in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, the few verses that talk about love is, love is not, love is, love is not, And one of the things that's spoken there is our Heavenly Father rejoices not in iniquity. And that term iniquity, when when you look it up in this particular spot, it has to do with injustice. Our Heavenly Father does not rejoice in injustice. And uh, for those that have been here for a few weeks, you may remember there was a service a few weeks ago and just the presence of God just came in a mighty way. And the chorus, one of the choruses that we're singing, saying in the worship w- was talking about your justice, love, and mercy, singing that to the Lord. And then Pastor Virginia has a revelation of seeing justice, love, and mercy standing, um, angels of justice, love, and mercy standing in our sanctuary. And we just had an amazing service that morning. It was just amazing. And um, this, this place of justice and injustice We're going to dwell on that a little bit tonight. Um, Again, so we're just going to, let's just just proceed here. I'm so used to my little clicker. Our Heavenly Father, this was another point from the message before, our Heavenly Father doesn't rejoice in injustice. And that's injustice that's done to us, or hopefully we're not on the giving end of injustice, but he doesn't like that either. And he does rejoice in the truth. And... um, and we, made a, we saw last week that he was not the father of lies. He is the source of truth. And again, we'll see how this all, as we keep going tonight, we'll see how this, this all plays in. 
Now, I'm going to just kind of lay a foundation fairly quickly. These scriptures are going to be very familiar to us. We, we should know, you know, Genesis chapter 3, we should know these verses. But I want to kind of uh, establish a foundation thinking about injustice, injustice, injustice. So Genesis chapter 3, again, we're familiar with the story. This is verse 1. Now the serpent was more crafty than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Indeed, has God said, You shall not eat from any tree of the garden. The woman said to the serpent, From the fruit of the trees of the garden we may eat. But from the fruit of the tree which is in the middle of the garden, God has said, You shall not eat from it or touch it or you will die. The serpent said to the woman, You surely will not die, for God knows that in the day you eat from it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. And we're fairly familiar with the story. When the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was a delight to the eyes, and that the tree was desirable to make one wise, she took from its fruit and ate, and she gave also to her husband with her, and he ate. And we're familiar with these these verses. Um, The... When we hear the story of Adam and Eve, we know the serpent's there in the garden. We know that he's present. But when we think about the fall of man, at least for me and my upbringing and and background in church, the focus was always on the choice that Adam and Eve made. And the scriptures lay out something a little bit bigger than that. And from a denominational perspective or a church-wide perspective, there's whole big segments of the body of Christ that don't believe there's a devil. Now, some of you may not. That's fine. (laughs) And um, if you don't believe in a devil, it's hard to understand Genesis chapter 3, and so you don't talk about him. (laughs) It's a myth. It's a parable. And I'm not saying that as, as gospel truth. I'm saying this is what you can find in the body of Christ. And so the focus then has to shift away from the enemy or the serpent as is described in Genesis onto Adam and Eve. And it's like, Adam and Eve, shame on you. You guys really messed up and look what you've done for the whole human race. But the point I want to I bring out is from 1 Timothy. This is, this is uh, from the Apostle Paul. And it's his commentary on what we just read and the, and the events of the fall and, and the choice that Eve made. In, in verse Timothy chapter 2, verse 14, it was not Adam who was deceived, but the woman being deceived fell into transgression. The woman being deceived. Everybody's like, where in the world are you going? <laughs> we'll get there. Trust me. The woman being deceived fell into transgressions. For now, can you see that she had some help messing up? She had help. And what happens when you just focus on the choice that Adam and Eve made, you miss a whole dimension that the Bible is very clear about. The woman was deceived and she was deceived by someone. It wasn't Adam that was lying to her. It was the serpent. The serpent was working to deceive. Because of that, she still had a choice. So I'm not making Adam and Eve. There's two sides. Adam and Eve, they had their choice that they made. But the serpent was involved. 
the serpent was involved. If you remember the, the couple things that we started out with, one is God doesn't like injustice and he doesn't like deception. Deception, deceiving, lying. Those are all the same thing. And so when we read the gospel, or not the gospel story, but the story of the fall, in Genesis chapter 3, we see deception. But we know that God doesn't like that. But what is the result of that is the fall of man. The fall of man, okay? All right. Was God happy about the fall of man? No. Wasn't, wasn't part of his plan, wasn't what he had for man's future. Okay, so, but we see that somebody else besides Adam and Eve was involved in messing things up. Okay, we got that, good. All right, now, let's take another passage. Kind of just building a foundation here. Now, jumping to the New Testament, here's another place. This is just a pulled out from John chapter 8. This is an interaction between Jesus and some people who didn't really like him. And... Um, John chapter 8, verse 38, I, this is Jesus when he says, I speak, it's Jesus speaking. I speak the things which I have seen with my father. That's Jesus. Remember, he's speaking to these people who are against him. Therefore, you also do the things which you heard from your father. Okay, let's not, let's not advance yet. Let's just park there for just a little bit. So we've got two sides again. We've got... Jesus and his father, and then we've got this group of people, and then Jesus is saying they have a father. Okay, now, go ahead. and um, Here you go. Verse 39 and 40 says, They answered and said to him, Abraham is our father. Okay, so these are Jewish people he's talking to. Jesus said to them, If you were Abraham's children, do the deeds of Abraham. As it is, you are seeking to kill me, a man who has told you the truth. A man who has told you the truth, which I heard from God, this Abraham did not do. Okay? So, again, we have a situation of a group of people. They thought they were Abraham's children. And in the natural, they were. They were descendants of Abraham. But Jesus was seeing a different reality, and he had a different truth. The truth. And he said they had a different father. These people were deceived about the source of their behavior and their actions. Hmm, who could be behind that? Jesus already said it. They were doing the things of their father. Okay, let's keep going. And verse 41, you are doing the deeds of your father. They said to him, we were not born of fornication. We have one father, even God. And they didn't say it as nice as I just said it. They were upset because Jesus was accusing them of, of everything they believed in. What they believed in said they were right. But Jesus is saying something different, okay? We were not born of fornication. We have one father, God. But Jesus Again, it's trying to point out that place of deception and to bring them to a place of truth. Okay, next slide. Jesus said to them, if God were your father, you would love me. For I proceeded forth and have come from God, 
I have not come on my own initiative, but he sent me. Okay, again, Jesus just gives him the truth, but because their core values, got to sneak that in, <laughs> but it's true. Their core values said we're Abraham's seed, we're, we're doing right, and they believed that Jesus was, was a liar. But that wasn't the truth. The truth was Jesus was telling the truth, and they were the ones who were deceived. Jesus said to them, if God were your father, you would love me. Okay, we're, you'll see where all this is coming to. <laughs> all right. And he says again, and he's just real clear this time, you are of your father, the devil. Now, I don't know about you, but I don't think that would make me feel very good if somebody told me that. And even worse, if Jesus told me, it's like, oh. But you know what? At this point, they're probably so angry. I mean, that, 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 those are fighting words. Those were fighting words. Okay, and you want to do the desires of your father. Now, this is the part we really want to dig into. He was a murderer from the beginning, and he does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. Okay, so we've, we started out with Adam and Eve in the garden. We see that there's this other party there who's messing things up. And Jesus, from his perspective, speaking to these people, is talking to them, and they're deceived, and he's bringing this, and he's, he's teaching us as well as them some things here about that same enemy that was in the garden. He was a murderer from the beginning. Remember Cain and Abel? Even though the scriptures don't say, I can just see the enemy whispering in Cain's ears. All kinds of slander, convincing him that the only, only course of action, the right course of action, was to kill his brother. He was a murderer from the beginning. He does not stand in the truth because there's no truth in him. Whenever he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own nature. And there's another translation. I don't know which one it is. But it says that he's, when he's lying, he speaks his native language. His native language. That's... It's like, just like we speak English, he lies. <laughs> he can't say anything else because that's his language. So there's always deception there. Whenever he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own nature. He is a liar and the father of lies. Okay, remember the couple things we started out with? God doesn't like injustice. God loves the truth. Okay, we're going to bring it all together here a little bit. And so here again, we've seen a group of people. They're deceived. But we're catching something of the nature of who is deceiving them. Okay? All right, next slide. So the truth was that they were being influenced by the father of lies. They were deceived. When they, in their righteous wrath and indignation, wanted to kill Jesus, that wasn't from God. They thought it was. They were deceived. They were deceived. Did they have a choice in it and a part in it? And we're not completely absolving them from any responsibility. And I don't have in the lobby a table with the devil made me do it shirts for everybody to buy so that we can, you know, wear our shirts and that gives us an excuse to do whatever we want to do. That's not what I'm, that's not what this teaching is about, but it is to try to bring some balance that the things that happen the injustice that takes place 
there's somebody behind a lot of it. Yes, people make the choices. Yes, people are cooperating with the enemy, but the enemy's at work. So there's, there's that other dimension. We really want to deal with that tonight. Okay, next slide. So again, this is probably saying the same thing I just said, but just like Eve had help in the garden messing up, so the group of people we see in John 8, they want to kill Jesus, but they've got some help. Jesus said they were behaving like their father. Their actions, their behavior had been influenced from somewhere. Okay? So Jesus said they had some help messing up too. Their, their father, the devil, was, was causing them some problems. Now, okay, here we're really going to start to get back into the injustice thing. It doesn't matter where you look in history. It doesn't matter where you look in history. Wherever there's been evil, wicked people doing evil, wicked things, they've had some help. Again, we don't often look at that dimension because we just, you know, we see a Hitler and it's like, you know, what an awful person trying to kill so many people. But I can guarantee you that there was another level (laughs) working in that situation. There was the earthly reality and the earthly rulers, but there was also some spiritual rulers and spiritual reality that were influencing him to destroy the Jewish people. You can see it in scripture with Pharaoh. Uh, Pharaoh, when he wanted to destroy all of Moses' generation and all the boys, you know, it wasn't too many, too, too long before that, that Jesus, excuse me, that, that God the Father spoke to Adam and Eve and said that there would be one coming who would crush the serpent's head. So the enemy knew he hated kids because of it, because he knew one of them was going to be the one that was going to crush his head. So Pharaoh, as bad as he was in the scriptures, he had some help. There was somebody influencing him to be destructive and to steal, kill, and destroy, as we're going to see in the scripture here. Take Herod, another really familiar scripture. So here you have Moses' generation where all the babies are killed, and then Jesus' generation. You have Herod, same thing. As evil and wicked as Herod was, he had some help. There's a spiritual dimension. There's a spiritual side There was things and influences that were deceiving him and moving him, things that twisted and warped his core value. You know, Scripture says he thought he was a god. You know, that doesn't come from the heavenly father, so he was pretty messed up. Maybe that was a different Herod, but... So, do you mind going back to the last one? I may have said everything, but I just want to double-check. So, and again, it doesn't mean that the people aren't involved. There's There's a place where they make choices, but somebody else was working behind the scenes. Okay, so just want to make sure I covered everything there. So, okay, you can go to the next one. And so Jesus kind of pointed out, he said that he was a murderer from the beginning, and um, he was the father of lies, liar from the beginning. John 10.10, he gives a little bit more revelation on this enemy. The thief comes only to steal, to kill, and to destroy. The thief comes only to steal, kill, and to destroy. That sounds like injustice to me. Stealing, taking what's not right to be taken, it's not yours to take, that doesn't sound fair. If I came up and took something, some keys from somebody, (laughs) let's see who has a nice car, (laughs) and I took them, I didn't work for it, 
I'm stealing it. That's injustice. Killing. This is talking about murdering. That's not just. That's not fair. That's injustice. Destroying. When I worked at the Boys and Girls Club, there was one thing. There's a lot of things probably, but the one I'm thinking of right now that really bugged me. I worked in the art department, so one of the things that the kids did was they'd make their artwork, and they'd make their pictures or their sculptures or whatever. And every now and then you'd get a little kid who thought it was really fun. So you've got this table, say, with all these sculptures drawing on it, and he thought it would be fun just to kind of come along <laughs> and to wreck them all. You guys laugh, but I would get so mad because it was destructive. That's, that's injustice. So you see that place of injustice being tied together with deception because of the father of lies. That injustice, how God hates injustice and God hates deception, he hates what the enemy is about because the enemy is about injustice. The enemy is about deception. And so our heavenly father, we see and we've been looking at from the previous week, hates those things. He doesn't like it. The thief comes only to steal, to kill, and to destroy. Think about that statement. He only comes to do that. There's a lot of people in the world that they think, they think that the devil's on their side. And they've got it made, and they're doing everything that they, you know, everything the devil wants, and they think that because they may have some physical prosperity or fame or whatever, but there's a deception tied to that. There's a stealing, killing, and destroying tied to that. They may not know it yet, but there's going to be a, they'll find out soon enough. So that's the first part. The enemies come to steal, kill, and destroy. Jesus said, I came that they might have life and have it more abundantly. Okay, we'll get, we'll get kind of into that a little bit more. But we'll, we'll look at this, this last thing. So wherever you see stealing, killing, and destroying in the world, you are seeing the father of lies and the deceptions that he brings at work in the world. You, we can't turn on the TV and have a video camera capture that spiritual dimension. We don't see it. And so a lot of times we may look at decisions that political leaders make, we won't name names, and we think, how could they do something like that? Or we can look overseas and we see how one nation will attack another and there was murdering. I mean, if you look at what the enemy has done just in the continent of Africa, and I don't know how aware you are of it, but talk about injustice. Talk about stealing, killing, and destroying all over tribal ethnicity. And then in our generation, and the more recently, it's over Christian and Muslim, where the Christian Africans... Well, mostly it's the Muslim Africans will kill and start killing the Christian Africans. And so but that stealing, killing, and destroying, it leaves so many people dead. It leaves so much destruction. It leaves all this in its wake. And as bad as the people are who are doing it, there's something behind all that. It's the father of lies, Jesus said, who's only come to steal, kill, and destroy, who's come to deceive people. And so wherever you see stealing, killing, and destroying the world, you're seeing the father of lies at work behind the scenes. We may not, and I'm probably glad that we don't have that kind of 
TV reporting because it might be kind of frightening if we really knew what all the enemy was doing. But praise God, there is more on our side than there is on his. So this, this teaching is not supposed to make us afraid when we go out, you know. All right, let's go ahead and go to the next slide. So again, just, just emphasizing this point, the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy, but Jesus has come also. Okay, we've focused a whole lot on that, that, that injustice, that deception, but Jesus came too. So the enemy got involved, we know, in the Garden of Eden, but Jesus came, and he came for a reason. He said this reason is that they might have life, and they might have it abundantly. They might have life, and they might have it abundantly. So I propose to you tonight that when we read that the character of our Heavenly Father is that he hates injustice, and he hates lying, doesn't like it that, that he would like it if there was justice, and he would like it if there was truth. That both of this, this, both are true. In, in 1 Corinthians, it's presented the one way. And that justice and that truth are connected to what Jesus came to do with life and life more abundantly. We'll, we'll keep going. We'll kind of connect this, connect the dots here a little bit in the time we have left. So Jesus makes it very clear. The father of lies is seeking to steal, kill, and destroy. No ifs, ands, or buts. John 10, 10, first half of the verse. No questioning about it. Now, let's look at some of the areas where he works. He is working to steal, kill, and destroy in people's personal lives. Just park right there for a little bit. In people's personal lives, he is out to steal, kill, and destroy. He is working in family lines, family trees, to steal, kill, and destroy. Pretty much you could just say wherever he's working. (laughs) Counties, regional areas, states, nations. That's, it's not his assignment. It's not given to him from God to do that, but that's what he's taken upon himself to do, is to steal, kill, and destroy. And everywhere he goes... Everything he touches, that's what he's trying to do, is to deceive, steal, kill, and destroy. And remember that the stealing, killing, and destroying is injustice. All of that is injustice. Okay, next slide. Now, I'm going to tie this together. with there's a, there's a word that the scriptures use for sin, and it's miss the mark. The definition of it is to miss the mark. It's a Greek word. I won't try to say it. I don't even know how to say it. But when we think about sin, you know, we think about doing something wrong and um, but this, there's one of the words for sin. It's just missing the mark. Just missing the mark. Let's think about this for a little bit. One of the jobs of the enemy when his place of stealing, killing, and destroying is to get people off track. In other words, you could say this, that from the beginning, if we were able to see, someday we can, but you know, we see in part now, if we were able to go all the way back to the Garden of Eden, what was God's original plan and purpose for Adam? What was God's original plan and purpose for Eve? What was God's original plan and purpose for Cain, for Abel, whose life got cut short? Talk about injustice. And if you could follow that all the way down. You can go through those early chapters of Genesis, and you'll see that some, some family groups were 
musicians. Others were metalsmiths and craftsmen. And you can see in the scriptures that God has a plan and a purpose for these family lines, for these generations. And it goes from, from individuals have that. Family groups have that. Um, spiritual families. There's a natural and a spiritual side. So there's all of these things have a mark, have a plan, have a purpose that God has given them. He's graced them to do something. And the enemy's job is to get people off track, to twist it, to pervert it. And he's been working a long, long time to where we have whole parts of the world that are just, all they are is stealing, killing, and destroying. The injustice reigns in parts of the earth tonight. Injustice reigns. Injustice is ruling because a wicked ruler who's acting like his father, as Jesus would have said in John chapter 8, is just unleashing injustice and stealing, killing, and destroying everywhere he has control. But thank God, not everywhere's like that. You know, we live in a nation that at least some things go right. <laughs> anyway. So, but the enemy's been working a long, long time, and he will continue to work on it till he's thrown at the lake of fire. Okay, so Sean, we're gonna wrapping down here. Where are you going with all this? Okay, we better go quick. So again, we saw that Jesus, the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but Jesus said that he came that he might have life and have it abundantly. It's for a reason. There must be an answer to injustice and to deception. Next slide. Okay, um, here's just a little scripture from Luke chapter 23 to kind of introduce this. When they came to the place called the skull, there they crucified him, that's Jesus, and the criminals, one on the right hand and one on the other. Talk about injustice. Jesus hadn't done anything wrong. Okay? Yes, we know that it was to pay for our sins, but it was an unjust act. And if you want to go to the next slide. And this is Jesus' response. Luke 23, 34. But Jesus was saying, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they are doing. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they're doing. After what we've looked at tonight, we can see Jesus is recognizing here that, yes, they have a choice. Yes, they have a decision. But there's a place of deception a deception is to not know what's really taking place. They don't really know what they're doing. And then it says that he went on to cast, to cast lots, dividing his garments among himself. So Jesus' response to injustice against him was, Father, forgive them. Now, we did all that tonight for a reason. And now we're going to bring it back to where we started today with our worship. We sang a chorus, and we were exhorted by that chorus. We were exhorted by Pastor Eric. All-consuming fire. Burn. Burn the stuff. Burn the stuff. Okay, next slide. There is injustice in the earth. Now we're going to get a little personal. I'm going to meddle, but it's for a reason. And there has been injustice against us.
There has been things that have happened in our lives, in our family lines, where there has been stealing, killing, and destroying. I would venture to say there's probably many people in here that if it hadn't been for the stealing, killing, and destroying that's taken place, they'd be in a completely different place tonight, completely different place with the Lord, with their finances, with all the other things, physical health. But Jesus said he came that we might have life and have it abundantly. There is an answer to injustice. He came to bring it. He showed us what it was just in that scripture. The answer to injustice, there's two sides. Hopefully none of us are on the first side. I don't know if I spelled that right. It looks funny from here. If, if we've committed injustice, if we're a perpetrator of injustice, if we've, if we've been out there stealing, killing, and destroying, the scripture says that we're supposed to repent. That's not really where we're going to go tonight. So that altar call, <laughs> don't raise your hand for that altar call. <laughs> yes, Sean, I've stolen, killed, and destroyed. No. Um, no, where we really want to focus is because we remember where we started with the father hates injustice. And there is a way to get free from the effects of the injustices that have been done to us. Remember, we went through, we've gone through, we did it kind of fast. But the things that took place, the injustices that were done to us, the people had help. Doesn't matter who they were, whether it was our family, whether it was our parents, whether it was teachers, whoever, people we didn't even know who were out there stealing, killing, and destroying, they had help. They had help. They weren't acting alone. Many times we focus on the people. I didn't use this scripture, but Paul wrote in Ephesians chapter 6, we wrestle not against flesh and blood. This all ties together. Victims, so if we have suffered injustice tonight, hopefully not before we came to service, but in our lives, if we've suffered injustice, if we were a victim of injustice, of stealing, killing, and destroying, and I would say that if that, and I want to be real inclusive here, if, if you, and again, don't raise your hand, but if you could raise your hand, but we're not going to raise our hands. Don't want to do that tonight. But if you could say that at some place in your life, something took place that got you off where you were headed and what you knew to be God's destiny for you, or maybe you never knew what that was, that was because the generations before you got so far off mark, they didn't know either. But there is a place of release, and it's through forgiveness forgiveness. We said all that tonight, everything that we did tonight, to hopefully bring us to a place. God's purpose in all of this tonight, remember, he doesn't like injustice. If we hold on to the injustices that have been done to us through unforgiveness, we will not be released from them. Next slide, please. So we'll just say this. Actually, do the next slide, and then we'll come back to this one. I probably should have had him in different order. When we forgive others, then we can be forgiven. Scriptural principle. When we judge others, we open ourselves up to judgment. That's Matthew eleven twenty six and Luke six thirty seven. When we hold on to these these people that have done wrong things to us, and we choose not to forgive, we 
hold on to that. It doesn't get released because God can't forgive us the way that he'd like to. There's things that God wants to get to us, but when we hold on to bitterness, resentment, and unforgiveness because of the injustices that were done to us, the abundant life that Jesus came for us to receive, it can't come the way he wants it to. Remember, we started with something. Our heavenly father hates that injustice. But the way that he gets justice might not be the way we want it to come. So, we'll just use Trish. Do you mind if I use you for an example? (laughs) Trish here has wronged me. It might be in my flesh that that I want the justice to come with a bolt of lightning. (laughs) But that's not what God does. He wants to not only set me free from the injustice that was done to me, but he wants to set her free. Her answer is to repent. Then she can get back to that place God has for her. She doesn't get destroyed. See, if that judgment came, it would bring a destruction and cut off her family line and all the blessing that she could release in the earth if she were to repent and turn where God wants her to. If I forgive, then I also am released. When we don't forgive, and I apologize because I don't have to be able, I can't go into it right now. You just have to trust me on this. You got the scripture though. There's things that get blocked. That injustice is still there. It's only released when we forgive. Remember tonight, your heavenly father, my heavenly father, hates those things that were done to us that were unjust and were wrong. But he will not and cannot release it fully until we do. That's where we were going tonight. That's where we were going. Next slide. Oh, actually, go back. So, again, our forgiveness releases us from the hurt and the trauma. So, as long as I hold on, I hate that person for what they did to me. I'll never forgive them. I hold on to that. That place of darkness makes a really nice place for the enemy to live. Scriptures say he, he divides in darkness. That's, that's not our Heavenly Father. <laughs> We may think we're justified in doing it because it hurt really, really bad. But God wants to bring us through to a place of abundant life. And that abundant life is not holding on to bitterness, unforgiveness, and resentment. No matter how bad whatever was done to you was, and in a crowd of any size, you're going to have a lot of really big yuck. A lot of really big yuck. But forgiveness is the answer. Again, if we've been perpetrators, we better repent. (laughs) Can't go there tonight. All right, let's see. I don't know how many more slides we have left. Let's just run through them. Now, but this is the other side of that. Okay, so um, forgiveness. We're going to get into this probably a little bit more another time, but our forgiving others who have hurt us, whether it's our parents, doesn't matter who they are, what they were, whether we know them or didn't know them. For some There's places of forgiveness and release that we could do probably that would release things generationally that we may not even know stuff about, but that's kind of in the Lord's hands. But realizing that they were deceived, and this is is another key. Well, Sean, how do I forgive that person? Because they they hurt me really bad. If we can just see that they weren't acting alone. As awful as what they did was, they were deceived. 
the enemy was behind it to not only destroy them, but to destroy you, to destroy me, whatever things were done to me. If we can kind of step away from the personal hurt and injury and kind of get that perspective, hmm, there was more at work. Because, um, and realizing that they were deceived and there was an assignment of the enemy against that person, our family, whatever we're, we're dealing with. And again, this, just this principle, our forgiveness cancels the assignment of the enemy against us. Think about it tonight, that even in the midst of all the injustice that's going across in, in the place in the world tonight, that if God had his way and repentance came and the forgiveness came that God would have, and all of those relationships and all those things got restored to his kingdom order and, and his plan and purpose, this world wouldn't look like it does. That's what he's after. He had his plan in the garden, and he would like to see that come in the end, where all those things are set right. But it's going to come at this generation right now in our choice in our lifetime. It comes through repentance if we've done wrong and forgiveness if wrong has been done to us. Our Heavenly Father wants us free from the injustice done to us. He hates it. He looks at those things that took place in our lives, maybe when we were little, maybe we were old, doesn't matter, things that were done in our family lines. He looks at that, and because it's got our family, got us off the mark, he hates it. But the release of that is in our hands. It's in the choice that we make to forgive. He'll do all that he can. We can pray for justice. (laughs) Depending on the situation, the lightning bolt may fall. (laughs) Pray for Trish, no. (laughs) But but there's if if there's unforgiveness, and the Lord, I trust the Lord's working tonight. If there's unforgiveness and there's feelings there that are just like "Ah, if I could just get my hands on that individual. If those feelings are there, there's some forgiveness that needs to take place. And that forgiveness is going to release the experience, make it possible for us to experience the abundance that he has for us. So it's in our, ball's in our court this week. Last week it was like, oh, God is so good. But this week God's kind of given us an assignment. How much do we really want to see the injustices that have taken place in our lives Starting there, is that a good, it's a good starting place? How much do we want to really see those changed? If we do, we need to forgive. It's not easy. I'm not even dealing with that tonight. And, you know, you can talk to the Lord about it until we teach some more about it. Because <laughs> it's not easy. But he will give you the help. And hopefully there's a little bit of revelation of how, you know, Joyce Myers puts it this way, hurting people hurt people. So whoever hurt you, they were hurting Another way to look at it, they were deceived. Injustice was done to them. They don't know any better. They do the same thing to other people, okay? They're just passing it along. So um, I'll let you sit tonight as we close. Father God, I I know, Lord, we just kind of raced through a whole lot of stuff, and I just trust, Lord, that, that your word was deposited in our spirits. Lord, your word, your word declares that your word will not go forth and return to you void. And Lord, I know that the words that I spoke tonight had an assignment from heaven. And that assignment, Lord, was to bring freedom to your people. 
And so, Father, tonight, by the Holy Ghost, I believe and receive, Lord, that among our hearts and our lives, in our understanding, Lord, I ask, Father, and I believe for that place of in, where injustice has taken place, that you will gently, gently bring that to our understanding. Lord, it's not your purpose to bring up all the feelings of, of anger and bitterness and resentment that goes along with it, but Lord, you have an in. Lord, it's not just to make us miserable, to make us angry again, but you have an end, Lord, and that end is forgiveness and release. And so, Father, tonight, I trust, Lord, that by your Holy Spirit, you, I know we didn't have time to even go into that part of it, but, Lord, for those who take this message to heart tonight, for those, Lord, who want to see that injustice corrected and, 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 and the, the, where the paths have gotten off the mark and, and want to see their family, want to see their children get back on track, Lord. I ask, Father God, Lord, that by your spirit, you will just guide them step by step, Lord, into the fullness of the forgiveness that they need to walk in and walk through to see those injustices released and to see the abundance and blessing and the plan of God and purpose of God once again restored in their own lives and, Father, even generationally, Lord. And so, God, I just, I just trust that, Lord, that you're doing that work even though we weren't able to <laughs> go on it. I'm sure people are ready to go home. And so, Father God, it all ends and begins with you, God. You are good, and you have good things for your children. You are good, and you have good things for your children. And so, Father God, I just, I just trust, Lord, that, that, that we can see past the hurt to what you have on the other side, Lord, and release the hurt, release the bitterness, release the unforgiveness. Forgive those who've hurt us. Lord, I trust, Lord, that, <laughs> Lord, I know that your ultimate goal is to see, Father. The scripture said that Jesus would crutch the serpent under his head. Well, the enemy's still working. But every time we forgive, every time we forgive, we can be that foot that crushes his head in our lives and even generationally. And I thank you for that, Lord. And Lord, that justice can come so that justice can come. So, Father God, tonight I thank you for how patient and what good listeners your, your people are tonight. I bless them tonight in the name of Jesus.